And go back, put that welcome slide up if you don't mind. Hey, did you guys catch this welcome slide that we just had? It's going to be 75 degrees today. Do you know that? <laughs> and in case you forgot it was January, we thought we would just try to remind you what January used to look like. Everybody, who remembers what January used to look like? You remember that? Yeah. Uh, I love that. It's going to be 75 degrees today. Wow. Uh, hey, if you're new, I'm Chris Barnett. I'm blessed to be the preaching minister here at East Brainerd, and I am up here this morning to talk about the 800-pound gorilla that's in the room. My good buddy, Ross Workman. Ross, um, are you, you're over here, right? Hold it up, Ross. Let's see it. Thank you. If you were here last week, uh, you were, if you were here last week, we had a lesson that focused on finding treasure, finding the kingdom of God, that treasure that's hidden in the field that we're willing to sell everything to be able to be a part of. And as an illustration of showing that our heart goes wherever our treasure goes, I turned over my wallet to Ross Workman. And I, uh, you know, it was, it was difficult for me, but finally by the time that the worship was over, I said, you know what? I trust Ross. I know his parents. I know his grandparents. I know good lawyers. And so I said, Ross, you just, you didn't have to, he didn't have to hold that up anymore. And he, he, he could put that down because I trusted him. I trusted him with my money. And there was a reason that we talked about this last week. We talked about this last week because I knew that this week was coming. And this is the week that... I'm really going to talk about money to you. And so I use that illustration on purpose because I want us to talk today and to share in a dialogue about our generosity and about our giving. Specifically, the giving when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to church, when it comes to what East Brainerd is, is doing. And so I tried to prime the pump just a little bit to uh, kind of serve as a refresher for some, but maybe um, uh, for the first time to have individuals here that this is something that is important, the kingdom. It's like it's living the dream when you realize that we are able to be a part of the very kingdom of God and to be able to be in relationship with Him. But there are demands and there are expectations that come with living as a part of that kingdom. Something that we've said here in the past, but I want to reiterate is that salvation is free, but ministry is expensive. It's just the way it goes. The call of God on our heart, the response to God's grace, the mercy that God has poured out, all those things are free. But then to carry out the mission of God can become expensive as we look at all the different things that we can become involved in. I just made a, made a little list here of different things that, that just cost money that our church gives to. You know, we talked about kids praise and we worship, and we talked about our Bible classes that adults and children are going to go and be a part of, the different educational materials that we provide during that time. Those things don't happen unless there is money. It costs money to have missionaries in Jamaica and Cuba and Peru and Mexico and the Dominican Republic. It costs money to help individuals go to Greater Chattanooga Christian Services and receive different help that they need there when it comes to family issues that they're going through. It costs money to assist those with financial needs that are right here within our congregation where we do our best to help those who, for whatever reason, are going through periods of struggle. It costs money to give snack packs to the children of Chattanooga. It costs money to walk beside those struggling to put their incarceration behind them. 
It costs money to have a facility like this to be able to teach in. We talked about last week that, praise God, finally, this year is going to be the year that we pay off this facility. And that means the money that has been going to pay for this facility is going to be able to be used for kingdom ventures beyond this place. And that's a great thing. It's a great thing to be a part of. It takes money and it has, there are costs involved to pay those who devote their time and, and God-given talents to teaching and, and training. But we don't have to do these things. We don't have to. We don't have to be involved in these and other ministry opportunities. These are choices that we make, but we feel that these are choices that are vital in order for us to be able to live out the kingdom message of God. And so to be able to to have these ministries and to be able to fulfill these different expectations. We come together each week and we ask for members of our congregation to give towards these different ministries and towards these different outreaches. But more importantly, we ask our membership to give to the Lord because it's a principle that's found in the Old Testament and in the New. The idea that we bring first fruits to God and that we trust Him with everything, even with our wallet. I love the passage that Paul sent to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, God loves, what does that say? Cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, something neat happens in the Greek language here as this is being originally put down. And the focus in this text is not on God. The first word that actually appears in the Greek language, in the Greek text, is cheerful. That's where the emphasis is. Actually, Paul was very Yoda-like when he wrote this. And here's actually what it says. Mm, a cheerful giver God loves. Mm -hmm. That's what the point is. The point is on cheerful. The cheerful giver is the one that God prizes. And in fact, the word that is used there for cheerful is the word hilaros, which is where we get our own word hilarious. It is this idea that it's the hilarious giver that gets God's attention. Now, you need to understand something. It is not the hilarious giver that gets God's attention because of the amount that's given. It's not the amount of money that gets God's attention, but it's the amount of faith behind the offering that's given. Sometimes I hear individuals talk about, you know, I just, I just don't have a lot. Just don't have a lot. And I wish I, had, I wish I had more. You need to understand, God is not concerned about what you would do with what you don't have. But He is very concerned about what you do do with what you do have. Whether it be a lot or whether it be a little. And then when opportunities come to reinvest into the kingdom of God, you do so in a cheerful way. A way that says, I'm giving God my treasure because I want Him to have my heart. And I'm going to do it in a way that shows a faith that is truly hilarious. How does this happen? You got to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself before the Lord and recognize that the gifts that you have been given are not yours, but they are His. And He has trusted you with these gifts in order to be a blessing to those who are around you. And you humble yourself before Him and you say, God, use me as your vessel and use everything that you've given to bless others. 
Let's think about this together as we worship. You know, you got to be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you sing. Because I promise you that God is listening. And if you sing and say, Lord, I want more of you, then God promises that he will, he will offer. But be careful where that might take you. You might find yourself stepping out at work. You might find yourself saying more things about Jesus in the classroom. You might find yourself all of a sudden totally changing the way you go about your schedule each and every day. It might change the things that you read. It changes what you listen to, the relationships that you have. It could even change the way in which you allocate your finances. You ask more from God. Be careful what you ask for. For throughout Scripture, whenever individuals have been consumed by the Lord, they have then spent themselves on behalf of the Lord. And that's what we desire to be here at East Brainerd, a, a church who spends itself on behalf of God. Individuals who come together on a weekly basis to, to worship in order to encourage each other, but live individually worshiping in order to be able to save the souls of those in whom we come in contact with. And so we ask and we pray for more, more of God. You know, I, um, when I first started preaching, I, I went years before I ever taught on giving or money. Because I was always afraid that the congregation would think that the preacher wanted to raise. And I did, but I didn't want them to think that, you know. Um, maybe you heard the story. Teacher was with her elementary class going over the Eighth Commandment, learning why it was not appropriate to steal. And she looked at the classroom and said, now if I went up and took a man's wallet and took out all the money and kept it for myself, what would I be? And a little boy raised his hand and said, you would be my mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> now a lot of people would think that you would be his preacher, all right? I mean, that's, that's the other side of it. But I actually think I did those, conversa or those congregations a disservice because I did not speak to them the whole counsel of God. You see, the Bible is the source of my sermons. It's the book that I use. And the Bible talks a lot about money. You can't get around it. You say, well, why? If we're going to talk about this idea of living the dream and being a part of the kingdom, why is it that we have to talk about money? Because at least in our Western society, when we put up a slide that says living the dream, oftentimes the first thing that comes to mind is a person's financial achievement. It's where you are in the world. It's the house that you own. It's the setting that you have at the office. It's what it is that you have accomplished. It's who you are. It's your name that is in the paper. That's what we think about. And so when we talk about this idea of discovering the kingdom of God and realizing that God wants to be in relationship with us at the very outset, we have to talk about this idea of money. I think there's two more reasons. Jesus wants your heart. Did you know that? Jesus wants your heart, not necessarily your money. Now, whenever there's conversations that go on in churches about money, individuals often leave and say, all that church cares about is money. All that church ever talks about is money. All they ever want is more money, more money, more money. In fact, sometimes you expect the preacher to stand up and say, show me the money. 
Do you understand, though, that money is the chief rival to the kingdom of God? That's not my interpretation. That's Jesus. Matthew 8, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one, despise the other. Notice he does not say that you should not. He doesn't say that you must not. He says you cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. He speaks of money as a rival to God. It's not something that sits in your wallet. It's something that instead sits on your shoulder and whispers in your ear and asks each and every day, who are you really living for? Who are you for? And I think the only way to enthrone God is to dethrone money. And the way that Jesus speaks of this is not that everyone needs to take a vow of poverty, but that each and every individual takes a vow of generosity. You can't actually direct your heart toward the kingdom. Jesus didn't say, hey, give your heart the kingdom and your money will follow. But what did he say, Ross? Where does your heart go? Go ahead, Ross, say it loud. Hold up my wallet, Ross. You still got it? Thank you, Ross. Meet my new best friend if you don't know him already. Your heart goes where your treasure is. Your treasure leads your heart. Why does the Bible talk so much about money? Jesus speaks of it. Only, actually, the only thing Jesus speaks more of than money is the actual kingdom of God and the idea of the kingdom of heaven and living under the rule of God. And then next, he talks about the idea of money. Ross, hold it up, buddy. Keep it up. Here's the second reason that we need to talk about this. The kingdom needs your resources. We said that salvation is free, but ministry is expensive. So here's the deal. Let's just be honest about it. We can pray all we want to for the children of Chattanooga, but not one snack pack is given until our church raises some money. And we can all agree that it's a great idea to support seven missionaries living around the world, but not one of them can remain on the mission field until someone raises and sends them some money. And we can all affirm that there's great growth that's going on here in the Chattanooga area and in the communities of Ottawa and Collegedale, and that a great opportunity exists for this church to have a presence there. But nothing happens until we raise some money. It's a principle that's found throughout Scripture, that if you want to increase the harvest, you are also going to have to increase the amount that you spend on seed. You're just going to have to. Ministry is expensive, and here's why. Because life is costly. A man by the name of Don Linscott wrote an article and he speaks to this very point. I want to share a little bit of what he said. He says, you know, it did not dawn on me until we had our first child just how much kids cost. You've got to pay the hospital and then you've got to buy the diapers and you have to buy all the clothes and then they outgrow them as soon as you get them home. Then you have to pay for braces and you've got to buy glasses. And then there are all the school and sports fees. And then they need a car, and you've got to pay for insurance, and then they've got to go to college. And, and they did all these things for their son, Lance. And then at the age of 22, he was in a tragic accident that cost him his life. And on that day, Don's life changed, and here's what he writes. Death is cheap. Death can be sustained without expense. It's living that's costly. 
And it affected the way that he viewed his church. He says, it's growth that's expensive. Our dreams, visions, and hopes require sacrifice. Death does not. And that is why I will always belong to a church that needs money. You see, stagnant churches do not care if their budgets are met. Dead churches don't ask you to give anymore because they have nothing to give toward. Because they have forgotten that Jesus is the subject of the Bible and give is the verb. But East Brainerd is not a stagnant church. It is the termination of our leadership that we will not become one. And so here at East Brainerd, we will continue to ask for your monetary gifts because we believe that living for Jesus is worth the sacrifice. And you need to know this, that for the last six years, we have given gifts to the extent that we have met continually our yearly budget. And you need to understand that the decade prior to these six years, we always ended the year in the red, always having a deficit not being good stewards of the money that we were given. But six years ago, we made a commitment to fully fund the ministries of our church family. And God should be praised that we have been able to keep our commitment. And I want to say a special thank you to those of you who have been here for the last six years, who have committed yourself and who have sacrificially given to the work here, not because the minister asked you to, not because it was a line item in a budget, but because you recognize that generosity is asked for for every single disciple. And the kingdom of God is given so much worth in your life that you say, I will give my first fruits towards the kingdom because that is where I give my life. Even in the midst of some tough economic times, you understood that it was more than just about being a good steward of God's resources. And you came and you gave, and there were different times of special givings that you gave to. You might remember that back in 2011, we talked about how we wanted to pay down the principal on this property here. And we had a Live to Give Sunday that we had prayed for and we had fasted over, and we were looking for gifts totaling $250,000 that we might give toward the principal of this facility. And on that day, we did not come and give 250000 We gave over 300000 because of the grace of God and your willingness to reallocate money that He had already bestowed upon you. And because of that, we were able to pay more down on our principal than originally expected. And that is why, come August, this facility and this will be paid for. Done. And that money now that we are currently sending to the bank, that money that is currently taking care of that note that we have, that debt that is currently an enemy to our generosity, those finances then will be placed and allocated in other areas that we are going to be able to reach to and we are going to be able to touch. And it's because of your generosity. And while many of you are bringing God your first fruits of your labor, it's got to be pointed out It's got to be said that the majority of our East Brainerd membership does not give on a regular basis. The elders are going to be talking to you more about this in your Bible classes. They're going to talk to you about our giving patterns and different ways in which the money that is given is spent and, and how our budget is looking for this 2017 year. They also want to hear feedback from you for reasons that can oftentimes be barriers for individuals not to give and not to participate in the generous efforts that we have here. 
And I understand that there's all kinds of reasons that we can give. And if you're a part of the group that, that does not give, and again, when I say majority, I am not uh, speaking uh, with hyperbole here, okay? Uh, I am being very serious. Uh, in fact, 75% of our yearly giving comes from 98 families. And we have 390 families who are part of this congregation. See, we believe that God has already provided all the resources that we need to fund our 2017 mission. It all comes to being able to reallocate what has already been given to us for a more kingdom agenda. And I know there's a lot of justification. I know that some of you give your resources to other areas and to some very fine works. What we're asking you to consider is that as you reallocate your money going into 2017 is to consider the amount that you are giving towards the kingdom and the trust that you are placing in God, that you know that when you give him the money, that there is going to be good work that is going to be done and there's going to be a return and that you can trust the Lord with the money. The elders have asked that as a congregation, we continue our commitment to hilarious giving in 2017. And they have asked that we make it non-negotiable that a new weekly budget of $30,800 be met. Now, since 2010, our weekly budget has increased from approximately $23,000 to almost $31,000. That's an increase of 35% over seven years, about an average of about 5% each year. Now, during that same amount of time, our congregation has grown by 182 family units, 448 people. Our budget has gone up 35%, but we have had a membership increase of close to 50%. And so we think that what is needed for resources here is already here in 2017, but our challenge and privilege is going to be to reallocate what God has already given towards a more kingdom agenda. And if you have not been one who has lived a generous life before the Lord, I would encourage you to consider stepping up and doing that in 2017. Trusting the Lord with the money that he has given to you for the benefit of those who are around you. And so I guess this raises the big question here. Is this just all about numbers? And yes, it is. It's about numbers. Because churches that claim that they are not into numbers need to understand something. God is. God counts people. For one reason, because people count. In the book of Acts, you begin to see individuals coming to a faith in Christ, giving their life over in discipleship. And throughout the book of Acts, you see the numbers being given of those who were giving their life over and saying, I will spend myself and be spent for the master. Jesus told a parable Talking about the kingdom in Luke chapter 14, he says, it's like a master that wants to invite individuals to a banquet feast, and he sends out invitations. But people keep coming back and saying that they they can't come, they don't want to come. And so the master says, I want you to go into the country lanes, and I want you to go everywhere where you can find anyone. Tells his servants, go out, bring in anyone that you can find, because my house will be full. Because God says there is never enough in my house. Now, there's some people who say, you know, I just don't believe in big churches, and I think you can just get too big and try to do too many things. Then fine, go be part of a small church. 
But when that church gets to a certain size, leave that church and, and go and build up another kingdom of believers. And then when that church gets too large, go and build up another kingdom of believers. Just keep starting churches so that more people can be saved. I heard about a study that said a church of 1,000 can grow twice as fast as church of 100. Larger churches can oftentimes be more effective and more efficient in leveraging their resources. So whether you want to be a part of a big church or a small church, just make sure that that church is all about introducing more people to Christ. And you say, well, Chris, it sounds like that you've got an agenda. It sounds like that the elders have an agenda here. And of course we do. And I'll tell you what it is. It comes from the lips of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means possible, I might save some. That's our agenda. And if your church doesn't have the agenda of seeing others brought to Christ, then you don't need to be a part of that church. You don't. Because on all of our priority lists for 2017, at the very top of the list, it should be connect somebody else to Jesus Christ. It should be reach out to someone else with the power of the gospel. It should be touch someone else with the kingdom of God. That is our mission. Do you remember the end of the movie Schindler's List? Oscar Schindler had saved 1,100 Jews from death by managing to move them onto a list that was all about working instead of going to prison camps. And at the end of the movie, he begins to see these, these faces that just come to his mind, and he thinks about them, and he just begins to break down. And he looks at his car, and he says, if I could just sold that car, if I had sold that car, that was 10 more people. He looked at his pen and he said, this pen is made of gold. If I had sold this, that, would, that could be two more lives that I could have saved. And what he realized was at the end, it wasn't just about numbers. Because numbers were people. And people have stories. And people have histories. And people have eternities. And so we will count people as long as God counts people. Because people matter to God. And to reach more people. We will continue to need more money. Now, one thing that we have done is that we have tried to eliminate the times of special givings that we have here. Our Mother's Day offering that goes to Martin Boyd, that is something that is now rolled into our yearly budget. Thanksgiving offering that would normally go to Greater Chattanooga Christian Services, that is something that is rolled into our yearly budget. There is one special offering that we are going to be having that's going to be coming up at the end of February. Anything given that day over our regular weekly budget is going to go to fund short-term mission opportunities for our congregation. So anything over the weekly budget is going to go to help individuals that are here that you are sitting beside go to the mission field to be with those individuals that we are already supporting to help spread and share the mission of Jesus Christ. We said at the outset that God loves a cheerful giver. And that it isn't about the amount, but it is about the heart. It's about getting God's attention because your faith is so hilarious. 
You see, I gave Ross my wallet and I told him, listen, you can hold on to it and you can keep it there with you and you can have it there in the pew because I trust him that if I give him my treasure, I know that my treasure is going to be okay. And now I know a lot of you guys are wondering, did he actually take that with him this week? And the answer is, I don't trust him that much. Guys, let's be honest. Isn't that how we treat God? I don't trust you that much, Lord. I don't trust you to give the $10 or to give the 20. I don't I don't trust you to give the 40 or the 50 or the 100, whatever it is that you might give. Because Lord, I I need this this week and I I I'm going to need this for other things and and I have accumulated this and I have gotten this and if I don't hold it close to me how do I know it's going to be used right because after all I don't even know what all the money goes for in that budget and why can I give to something that I don't know every single thing about you see we have heart problems we have control problems because we want to hold to something that God says we must let go of in order to grasp the treasure of the kingdom And so I want to ask you to evaluate your heart. Not necessarily so that all of a sudden the numbers that we give each week can begin to skyrocket, but so that you can begin to understand where you stand before the Lord. Because if you are an individual that hoards and that keeps and it is constantly trying to consume, understand that the tighter you grip to the blessings that God has given you, the less you're going to be able to hold to what he truly wants you to have, a relationship with him. And so he says, follow me. Follow me. Go ahead, send your treasure on ahead and your heart will follow. Live the dream. It's not about how much you can accumulate. It's about how much you can give away. We're going to sing to encourage one another. Maybe you need to come today and just be honest and say, you know what? I just have to own up and I just have to tell you, I am not generous. Maybe because of money that's been spent here. Maybe because of outreach that's gone on. Perhaps because of lunches that you went and shared with others. There could be somebody here this morning that says, you know what? I've been studying about this person, Jesus, and I want to give my life over and be spent for him. Maybe you'd like to come today and say, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I'd like to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. We'll celebrate with you as you give yourself over to God. That is the mission. That is what we're all about. Whatever it takes, be spent for the Lord in order that others might know him. Do you need to come this morning? Can we pray for you? Let's stand and praise God together.